You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. I am just, like I said, thoroughly excited. You know, I love when I hear from heaven on what to share with you, and most of the time I do, And uh, but this particular time, I, I know that I'm doing things and timing this uh, as the Lord has directed, and as I, I think I mentioned to you last week or maybe the week before, I started to go a little bit faster in this, and the Lord said, no, 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 slow your roll a little bit, and uh, because here's a mistake that, that pastors make, and I've heard other people, other great ministers say this too, and that is, uh, we forget not everybody is where we are, okay? So, you know, not that I'm all that, but I'm just saying, you know, I've been at this for a little while. I, you know, 40, this will be December, it'll be 45 years that I've been born again, which is hard to believe because I'm only 27. And, uh, you know, so Lord, forgive me for lying in church. Praise the Lord. But uh, anyway, so, you know, I've had an opportunity to learn a lot of things over that period of time. And so I've got to remind myself and the Lord has to help remind me that not everybody is where I am and, and all of us are at different places and, and we're all growing in this together. So it never, ever hurts to go back and cover some things like we're doing in this series called Back to the Basics and refresh ourselves on these biblical truths so that we don't let them get out of our thinking. Matter of fact, let's look at our foundation scripture for this particular series and it's found in Hebrews chapter two and verse one and it says this, this is why it is so crucial, this is the Passion Translation, that we be all the more engaged and attentive to the truths that we have heard so that we do not drift off course. Turn to somebody close by and ask them, say, are you drifting off course? Okay, if you're not, tell them no. No, I'm good, all right? So, but here's the thing that, that Paul, who I believe wrote the book of Hebrews, he says this, that we've gotta be engaged and attentive to the truths, not looking for necessarily new revelations, all right, from heaven, you know, I got to have the latest and the greatest, the newest thing. No, he says, be attentive and engaged to the truths that we have heard. Listen, I, I can say this. In 45 years, I've heard more than enough Bible teaching to last me for eternity. If I'll just incorporate everything that I've heard and learned over that period of time, listen, it's a full-time job just doing that. I don't, I don't need to be looking for a whole bunch of new revelation, Amen. And so let's just talk about a couple of the things that we've discussed and, and taught on in the previous weeks. So in our previous lessons, we have learned this. In week one, we learned what faith is and how it works. And the way that we did this is by looking at how God interacted with Abraham. And we found out that God took Abraham from just being um, no relationship with him entered into a relationship with God, God brought him to a place of hope, and then eventually, after a period of time, brought him to a place of faith to where he could believe the promise of God that was given to him. And he'll do the same thing for you and me. He'll start us out at a place of hope, giving us the word of God to produce hope in our lives, and then as we give our attention to the word of God, faith is developed, and it brings us to a place where we, like Abraham, can receive the promise of God. Then the second week, in week two, we looked at how we get faith. You don't pray for faith. Faith comes how? By hearing what? Okay, so faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And we also saw this, that we all have the same faith potential. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says that God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So he has dealt to every believer a deposit of his faith on the inside of us. So when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you got a piece of God's faith on the inside of you, and then how we develop it is entirely up to us. And so you can be in a place where, uh, you know, you're, you just go after it and develop your faith, or, you know, there's a lot of believers, unfortunately, that are gonna get to heaven and find out they missed a whole lot. Now, and, you know, so as I... <laughs> 
I was telling somebody recently, um, you know, I believe when we get to heaven, what you don't learn here, you're going to have to learn there. And, uh, you know, I think some of y'all going to be in my class. So, all right, so just, just know that, all right. So it's good that we know each other now, so when we get there, all right. Then in week three, we looked at how to put our faith in God's word to work, beginning with building a capacity for great faith. And we talked about the principle of confessing the word of God unto faith. In other words, speaking the word of God so that we're building a capacity in our hearts to be able to believe the word of God. So when we make available like the healing scriptures or who we are in Christ, those types of things, I encourage you on a regular basis, be speaking those scriptures over your life. Now, somebody says, but you know, I did that one time, pastor, and nothing changed. I did it five times and I really didn't feel like I got anything out of it. Well, you need to understand that it is having an impact on your life, whether you can see it or not. You're building a capacity to believe those things down on the inside of you, and you're, you're speaking the word of God, building your faith, confessing the word of God unto faith, all right? Now, here's something, and this was hot off the press. The Lord specifically wanted me to interject this into this particular lesson today. So if you're writing things down, write this down. It is possible to have Great faith, little faith, or what we'll call absentee faith. So it's possible for us as believers to have great faith, little faith, or absentee faith. Now, let me share some scriptures with you on your notes. I, I put the references just for space. I couldn't put them, put them all down. But let's look at this. So it's possible to have great faith, little faith, and then absentee faith. So look at what Jesus said. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse 10, now, both of the times, there's two times in Jesus' ministry that we have record of that he marveled and said someone had great faith. And here's what's so interesting about both of those times. Neither one of the individuals that he said that to were Jews. This one was a Roman centurion. The other one was a Samaritan woman, okay? So uh, this, or Syrophoenician woman, and so this is a centurion, a Roman soldier who comes to Jesus and wants Jesus to, or desires for Jesus to heal his servant. And he said this, he said, don't even bother, you don't even need to come to my house. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed. And the Bible says, look what it says, when Jesus heard it, he marveled. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd like to kind of be one of those that Jesus marvels at in a good way. Okay, where Jesus steps back and says, wow, that's great faith. So he said, he marveled and said to those who followed his disciples, assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. So it is possible for someone to have great faith. And then we come to another reference in the gospels in Matthew chapter 16 and verse eight. This is where um, the disciples were in the boat with Jesus. They were going across the Sea of Galilee to minister in a different location. And Jesus, now get this, Jesus had just fed the multitudes. He, and we have record that he fed 5,000 men. Now, in that day, they did not record the women and the children. So, you know, most historians uh, believe that there were well over 10,000 people there at this particular service that Jesus was having and uh, you know the story. He ended up feeding them with five loaves and two fishes. He supernaturally multiplied the food, fed all of the people. So after that was over, Jesus gets in the boat with the disciples. They've had a huge day. I'd say, I'd say that's a pretty good day, wouldn't you? When uh, 15,000 people, 10, 15,000 people can come to your service and uh, you send them home and they're thoroughly full spiritually, physically, and then you send a little boy home with 12 baskets full of leftovers. I think that's a good day. So, you know, they're kind of on a high. And so they get in the boat and Jesus makes a comment to them. He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And so they freak out because they think Jesus is commenting because they forgot to bring bread in the boat with them for their journey. So in other words, Lord, we're going across the lake, the Sea of Galilee, and we didn't pack a lunch, and Jesus is perturbed about that. And by, by the way, what are we going to do 
You know, how are we going to eat? You know, that's kind of like uh, if you and I were to get in a car here on this side of town and drive all the way, you know, to the other side of town and we forgot to pack a snack, okay? And so Jesus, he hears, overhears this conversation that they're having and he says this to them, but Jesus being aware of it, the conversation said to them, oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you've brought no bread? In other words, did you, were you there when I just fed the 15,000? Okay, but notice what Jesus said. It says that he recognized that they had little faith. So here we saw a centurion that had great faith. We see the disciples that they were displaying little faith. And then, uh, you know, Jesus loved his disciples, but he, there were times when he was tough on them. Now, there was another situation where they're in the boat again, going to the other side to minister on the other side of the sea. By the way, the Sea of Galilee at the widest part is eight miles. So it's, it's a big, it's not like Lake Wiley, okay? You could almost swim across Lake Wiley. You couldn't swim across, you know, the Sea of Galilee. It's huge. And so there's another opportunity when they're going to another place to minister. A storm arises. They went and wake Jesus up. They're all panicked. They're afraid. Lord, do you not care that we're going to die? And uh, so they wake him up. And Jesus, you know, and I often say this, uh, I know how I feel if somebody was to wake me up out of a sound sleep. Uh, you know, I, sometimes I'm not in the best of moods. First of all, I'm groggy. Now, I'm not saying Jesus was in a bad mood, but I'm just saying, uh, you know, maybe he was groggy a little bit. But, but look at this. But he said to them, where is your faith? And there were, they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, how can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. So here you see Jesus recognized great faith. He saw little faith. And now we see the disciples that have total absentee faith. There is no faith present. So that being said, it is possible for believers to also have great faith, little faith, and no faith or absentee faith. And so uh, you just are going to have to take a personal inventory and say, where is my faith level? Where am I? Am I where Jesus wants me to be? And again, we're all a work in progress but your goal ought to be is I'm developing my faith so that I can believe God for what he needs me to believe him for. And uh, I want to have great faith. There's nothing wrong with that. All right. Then we said this, faith is released or put to work by our words and our actions. So faith is put to work. It's released. It's put into motion by your words and by your actions. We talked about that last week. Now, I want to go to this week's lesson. Instead of talking about the confession unto faith, let's talk about the confession of faith, where we're speaking our faith in the Word of God and we're professing that on purpose for results based on what God's Word says. So let's look at Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 14. And a very familiar portion of scripture. But this says, now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. So this is the last full week of Jesus' life and ministry. And so that whole week, every day, they would go and spend the night in Bethany, which is a suburb of Jerusalem. And then they would walk into Jerusalem, go about their business, everything that Jesus wanted to accomplish. And then they'd go back out of Jerusalem to Bethany and spend the night. So they did this for, for five days leading up to Jesus' arrest and ultimately his crucifixion. So now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, they're going into Jerusalem, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to it to see if perhaps he would find something on it. Now fig trees, when they are bearing fruit, is when their leaves are the fullest. So what this tree was displaying is, I have fruit, okay? And so Jesus goes to it and it says, but when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves for it was not the season for figs. Now that didn't mean Jesus was premature. It just meant for this particular tree, it was not producing any figs. And so in response, Jesus said to it, I like the old King James says, Jesus answering said to it. 
So sometimes, and you've heard me say this before, sometimes you're going to have to answer some things. Okay, we'll talk about that in just a second. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Jesus didn't think this. He said it, and he said it loud enough that his disciples heard it. So let's drop down to verse 19. So when evening had come, so they've gone into Jerusalem. They've done their business. Now they're coming back out. He went out of the city. Now, and they went and spent the night. Now the next morning. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. If you want to make a little note on your notes there, the actual Greek text says this, have the faith of God. Okay, have the faith of God. One translation says this, have the God kind of faith. So have the faith of God. And he said this, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. And then verse 24 says this, therefore I say to you, or a more accurate translation would be this, so then I say to you, Whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, I want to say this to you. Verse 23 and verse 24 are two different applications of the God kind of faith. We're looking at the first one. We're going to look at the second one next week. So here, I need you to make a promise to me, will you? Will you promise something to me? Will you promise me that you will pay close, close attention for the rest of our message today? Not that you haven't been listening, but I want you to get what we're going to say today because it's hugely, hugely important. Now, somebody's, <laughs> if you look at your notes, I've got 10 things, that I, 10 points I want to get to you. And if we do good, we ought to be done by about 3.30 or 4 o'clock. So let, let's jump into this, all right? No, we're going to go through this quickly. So that's why I need you to really focus and listen to, listen to me. Pay attention to the details, okay? Now, one of the things I love about being a teacher, uh, a, a, a Bible teacher and a pastor, but but one of the things I love is studying the details. I pay attention to details when I'm studying the Word of God because you need to understand something. The Bible, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, do not do random and they don't do accidental. So if it's in the Word and it's articulated a certain way, it's on purpose. Okay? All right? So let's, let's begin to look at this. So here's number one. Write this down, please. Jesus spoke to a thing, the fig tree. And it says in verse 14 that in response, Jesus said to it. Somebody says, Pastor, I could never speak to a thing. Sweetheart, you do it all the time. Let your car start giving you some issues out on I-77 or on 485 one time and see if you don't talk to a thing. Come on, baby, just get me home. Just get me home. Come on now, just get me home. Or how many of you knew that you were cutting it close on your gas gauge and you were like, come on, just let me get to the gas station. Just let me get to the gas station. Don't tell me you don't talk to stuff. Okay, we all talk to things. All right, so Jesus spoke to a tree. He spoke to a thing. So notice this. Jesus didn't pray or say to pray about the mountain. There's nothing wrong with, about praying, with praying about your mountain, but that's not what brings mountain-moving results. Jesus did not ask God to remove the mountain for him. Okay, and there's nothing wrong with asking God to help you. But notice what Jesus demonstrated for us is sometimes you're going to have to stand up, speak to your mountain. Now, you'll understand why as we get into this, okay? Now, look at number two. Write this down, please. 
At the moment that Jesus spoke to the fig tree, nothing visibly changed with the fig tree where the disciples could see a difference. There was no visible difference the moment that Jesus spoke. Because you know, how do we know that? Well, surely, now I love Peter because I'm a lot like Peter. But surely if there had been an instantaneous change, surely Peter would have said something because he'd have gotten wound up. He got wound up 24 hours later. Can you imagine what would have happened if Jesus had spoken and all of a sudden the tree went, hmm, and, and I mean, it would have gotten all their attention and they would have pointed it out. But apparently there was no visible difference when Jesus spoke to the tree, okay? Now here's number three. Jesus spoke the words and went on his way. Jesus spoke the words and then went on his way. Now, I want to point something out to you, okay? Um, Jesus did not assign two or three disciples to stay there around the fig tree to watch and see if anything happened. Nor, when they went into Jerusalem, did he send disciples back and say, hey, run back there and check and see if anything's changed yet. Now, we laugh at that. That sounds silly, but that's exactly what we do. We pray, we believe God, we speak to our mountain, and then we want to keep checking. Has anything changed yet? Okay. All right. You know, we just, we want to keep looking. We, we're hoping that, you know, that we could see something happen. All right. So they go into town, they conduct their business, and then that evening they're on their way out of the city, and they passed by the same fig tree, and there was still no visible change some eight, nine hours later. Nothing looked different, because again, how do we know? Surely the disciples would have pointed it out if there was, because remember the details. He said it, and they heard it, okay? Now, notice with no visible change we don't see any difference in activity from Jesus at all. In other words, Jesus didn't pass by the fig tree going. He didn't turn around and check it four or five times. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to walk in front of the, but he kept checking, or he did not keep checking it. He just went about his way, all right? Now look at Mark chapter 11 and verse 20. So now in the morning, full 24 hours later, as they passed by, they, the disciples, and maybe Jesus, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. So now we see something has visibly changed, okay? Now, so write this down, number four. The next morning, 24 hours later, there is a visible change, and Peter pointed it out, okay? The scripture says uh, that Peter remembering said to, said to Jesus. So Peter, and listen, I want to say this to you. There was nothing dramatic about this going on. There was no visible change, so much so the disciples forgot what Jesus did and what he said, okay? All right, now, Here's a huge principle that I want to get right here, and I'm going to park here for just a second. Here's number five. The scripture says the fig tree dried up from the roots. Here's why Jesus did not get phased when he didn't see anything visibly changing. It's because he knew his words were working at the root. Now, here's the challenge for us. A lot of times we want to use our faith on the fruit and not the root. God needs you to go after the root. Why? Because a lot of times when we dress, address the fruit with our faith, we're not dealing with what's causing the situation. And therefore, guess what happens when you don't attack a root with a plant? It grows right back. So you're going to end up in the same situation that you were before. So the fig tree dried up from the roots. 
And this is the same thing that will happen to us. The moment you begin attending to the word, the word goes to work on the root of your problem, not the external things that you can see. That's why it looks like, it appears as though nothing is changing. But guess what? It is. All right, and here's something you need to always remember. The times when it seems like God is moving the least out here, he's actually moving the most behind the scenes where you can't see it, okay? All right, so notice that Jesus' words went to work at the root of the situation, and even with Jesus, the effect was not immediately visible to the natural eye. Now, this is Jesus, Jesus. Now, granted, this is the same Jesus who was present when God spoke and created everything. I believe, my personal opinion, and you can disagree with me, and I respect your right to be wrong, um, I believe Jesus slowed the roll down a little bit so the disciples could learn something here. Okay? All right? So, so this is the process that was going on. Now, look at Mark eleven twenty one, and Peter, so they've passed by, they see the fig trees dried up from the roots, and all of a sudden it dawns on Peter. And Peter, remembering, said to him, teacher, rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. What did Peter remember? The words that Jesus had spoken, okay? Now, here, write down number six. I told you this was going to go quick. All right. There's going to be one I'm going to camp on here in just a minute. Number six, Jesus did not quit when he did not see immediate results in the tree. Now, I want to point something out to you. Um, I think sometimes we have a misunderstanding about Jesus. Jesus did not walk around in his earthly ministry with a long white flowing robe and a little lamb underneath this arm and the angels walking behind him going, oh, oh, all the time and harps playing. And he lived in this mystical world that he was just on a whole different magical plane than everybody else lived on. And uh, that he, you know, just was out in la-la land most of the time. That is, no, that's not Jesus at all, all right? When, when it says, or when I make the point, Jesus did not quit when he did not see immediate results in the tree. Here's, here's what I want you to understand. Jesus had every opportunity to focus on that tree that you and I have. He chose not to, Okay? Now, I want to, well, let me say this to you. And this is where God wants us to get. Jesus was so calm and confident in what he had done that by his own mannerisms, the disciples had forgotten what he did. In other words, Jesus no longer made a big deal over it. Okay? Now, they've gone by this thing a couple of times. And Jesus is so confident in believing that what he says will come to pass, he just modeled that confidence so much so that the disciples just totally forgot what he did and they did not remember until they saw the change in the fig tree. Now, what's my point? Jesus wants us to get to that place where when we release our faith for something God has promised us in his word and we are standing in faith for it, we're just calm and confident. We're not agitated. We're not upset. We're not checking to see if it's going to work. We're not double checking to see if anything's changed or not. We just go on about our life. You remember it said that, that, that Jesus went on his way. You're going to have to learn how to release your faith and go on your way. Do you understand what I mean when I say that? In other words, you're going to have to be so confident that when you release your faith, 
that God hears your prayer and knows what you've said and how you've spoken the word and you're just confident in God's word that you just go on about your life. You know, I'm going to say this to you. And listen, I'm not minimizing when, when things happen and we rejoice over them. I'm not discounting that whatsoever. But can I say this to you? The supernatural ought not surprise you. I mean, when you pray about something and God shows up and comes through and it happens, we ought not lose our minds over it. You know when you ought to have lost your mind over it? When you prayed. Okay? In other words, um, the supernatural ought not be that unusual for us. Am I helping anybody? Okay. All right. So, now here's what I want to focus on for just a minute. All right, let's go to Mark eleven twenty three. Uh, you've got the scriptures all in one group there, but I'm putting it again on the screen. Mark eleven twenty three says this. You know, so they've pointed out to him the fig tree; it's withered. Jesus says, "Have the faith of God, or have the God kind of faith." And then he goes on to say this: "For assuredly I say to you, whoever." Now, is there, are there any whoever's in here? Okay. If you're not a, like I've heard one minister say, if you're not a whosoever, you're a whatsoever, okay? So whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now, in synopsis, or in summary, rather, Jesus just said, you can have what you say. Now, there's a qualification to it, and we're going to break this down. We're going to get into this in great detail, because again, this is what I was, have been building to. This is what I wanted to focus on, because I believe between verse 23 and verse 24, in these two different applications of faith, we are missing it, okay? So let's break this down and let's look at this. So whoever says to this mountain, he said, be removed and be cast into the sea. And let's, let's uh, skip that next little phrase, does not doubt in his heart. Let's go to, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says, now, I want to point out to you what Jesus tells us to believe, all right? And pay very, very close attention to it. So, write this down. Here's number seven. Jesus said, we are to believe that what we say will be done, not believe to see the changes, now, I don't want to lose you on this, but there is a difference, okay? In other words, here's what people have tried to do with this particular verse. They try and speak to their mountain, and they began to use their faith to produce the changes. Your faith cannot produce the changes. Can, listen to me. I'm going to say it to you another way. Your faith doesn't move the mountain. Your faith enables God's power to move the mountain. So in other words, let me say it to you this way, and the same thing is kind of true in verse 24, and we'll talk about this next week. But what we have tried to believe God for was our part to believe and God's part. And I'm fixing to take you know, that's country. I'm getting ready to take a huge pressure off of your faith, all right? So let's look at exactly what Jesus said to believe. He said, let me back it up, verse 23, but believes, you are to believe that those things that you say will be done. Now, what we've tried to do is marry 23 and 24 together. 24 says, 
uh, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Different, different application. What Jesus said here is to believe what you say will come to pass or will happen. So in other words, I speak God's word and I believe it will happen. Uh, okay. In other words, it's future. Verse 24 is present. Verse 23 is future. See, what we've done is we've tried to speak to our mountain and, and by our faith produce the mountain getting up and going in the water. That's not our part. That's God's part. God is well able and capable of moving mountains, literally and metaphorically, okay? Our responsibility is just to believe that what we say will happen. So when I speak God's word and I say, Heavenly Father, thank you so much that Jesus uh, has gone into my future, that in Jesus' name, like Paul said, but my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Lord, I thank you that I speak your word and I believe that what I say comes to pass. So in other words, I believe that in time, those words will come to pass. Not today. In other words, I'm trying to make this as, as clear as I possibly can. Um, what we've tried to do in our confession of faith is this right here. Father, I call my needs met right now in Jesus' name. Now, that is a good posture to be in, but that's not what Jesus said to believe for. Jesus said to believe that when you speak to the mountain that what you say will happen, will happen. So I believe my needs are being provided for. Am I making it clear for you? Are you sure? Anybody not follow me, okay? Because I want to make sure everybody gets this. Okay, so when we are speaking a confession of faith, it deals with us believing that what we say will come to pass. When we pray the prayer of faith, as in Rome, or excuse me, Mark 11, 24, that's different. Okay, we'll talk about that next week. All right, so again, Jesus said that if I speak to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and we'll come back to that does not doubt in his heart in just a second, but I believe that those things I say will be done, I'll have whatever I say. So mountain, you be removed and cast into the sea. Now see, what we've tried to do is we stood there and watched and waited for the mountain to move. That's not what Jesus said to do. Jesus said that if I will speak to the mountain and believe that what I say comes to pass, I will have what I say. So just like Jesus, I speak to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and then I go on about my business, believing that sooner or later that mountain is going to move. Why? Because I said it, and I believe that what I say comes to pass. I don't have to stand, park here, and watch and see if the mountain's going to move. That's not my business. My business is to speak and believe and go on about my business. And so when somebody comes up and taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, did you know your mountain moved? Oh, okay. I knew that was going to happen. Okay? Everybody clear on that? All right, now let's go back to this phrase that Jesus said, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his what? Does not doubt where? In his heart, okay? Because um, here's what's gonna happen, and I'm so glad Jesus said in your heart, because you're gonna have thoughts of doubt that pop into your mind. But if you won't let that doubt get into your heart, it won't corrupt your faith. See, you can have thoughts when I say, Gee, uh, 
The word says, mountain, get up and be cast into the sea. And I go on about my business. Those thoughts of doubt might be coming to say, that mountain ain't going to move. That mountain's not going anywhere. Do you know how big that mountain is? Do you know how deep it goes? Do you, do you realize? And, and see, all those thoughts could be going on in my head. But Jesus said, if I don't let the doubt get into my heart, my faith continues to work. Okay? So let's talk about this doubt thing for just a moment. Okay? Um, let's go here. Doubt in the Greek, this Greek word for doubt here, is the Greek word diakrinomai. Okay? And it means to hesitate, to waver, to doubt, or to differ. Differ. Now, here's why this is so very important. Jesus said, if you will speak to the mountain, and he said, whoever says to the mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and does not differ in his heart from what his mouth just said, he will have whatever he says. Did you get that? To doubt is to cause a disconnect between what's going on here in your heart and what's going on here in your mouth. Okay? Are you listening? So in context, Jesus is saying this, that when a person's heart doesn't differ from what his mouth is saying, the combination of this heart and mouth in agreement will always cause things to happen. So therefore, number eight is this, this is the biblical concept of the heart and mouth connection. Now, I'm going to show you why this is so important and why this is just not a principle that's outlined for us in Mark 11. All right, I'm going to say this. This heart-mouth connection is what got you born again. Let me prove it to you. Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 10. But what says it? The word is near you, in your, what, what, everybody look at the screen or on your notes, but the word is near you in your, and in your, that is the word of faith which we preach. Now here he goes, verse nine, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the what? One believes unto righteousness and with the what? confession is made unto salvation. See, what happened is when you got saved is the gospel was preached to you. Faith arose in your heart that you could be saved and that Jesus could be your savior and redeemer and the Lord of your life and hope and faith arose in your heart. And so with what you believed in your heart, you put words to it. And when you did that, I don't think you understand the magnitude of what happened. When you made that heart and mouth connection, it caused something eternal to happen on the inside of you. Supernatural power was released on the inside of you to extract from you an old, dead, unregenerate heart spirit and to cause a brand new spirit to be recreated on the inside of you. And not only that, open the door for God by the Holy Spirit to move in on the inside of you and to to put you in position and stature where now you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. All that happened in that instant that you got born again. Why? Because your heart and your mouth got into connection with each other and it produced supernatural results. Same principle that we see over in Mark chapter 11. Are you tracking with me? Okay, now, here's what I want you to see. That same heart-mouth connection, and I'm talking about biblically, that heart-mouth connection will work with anything that you're believing God for. Now, notice it's not a mind and mouth connection. Also, there's nothing wrong with having concepts and beliefs in your mind. It's all about what's in your heart. And when you have that heart and mouth connection supernatural things happen. Now, here's number nine. We're almost done. God's power is released when the heart and mouth get into agreement 
on God's word. Now, I can say this unequivocally to you, all right? If we are not receiving something from the Lord, there's a disconnect between your heart and your mouth. One or the other, okay? So if, you know, if you're having a hard time, you, you, you know, you, you're, you're attempting to believe God and to trust him for something in his word or to release your faith for something, if your faith is not working, I can tell you this, there's a disconnect between your heart and your mouth. Either you have let things from your mind get down into your heart and, it, and it's caused a disconnect between that and your, your mouth. Because here's what happens, and, and it's kind of you know strange how this works, but I've, I've told you this before. Doubts pop into your mind. If you don't put those doubts into your mouth, they will not get into your heart. But the problem is, as we begin to entertain those doubts and we begin to think about them, what you think about, you begin to entertain and then ultimately begin to believe what you believe, you ultimately talk about, and what you talk about is what you experience. I can prove all that through the scripture. I don't have time to do it today. Are you listening to me? So when the heart and the mouth get into agreement, God's power begins to go to work. Now, why does this work? Why does this work this way? Well, let's wrap this up quickly and let's cover these last couple of things. Let's look at a scripture, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse three in the Passion Translation. It says this, faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. He spoke and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. Now, you know how God could do that? Remember, Jesus said, have the faith of God. God is a faith God. God operates exactly like I've been teaching you this morning. God stepped out on the edge of, of ultimate darkness and he spoke and he said, we have it as recorded, let there be light. Now, there was a connection between what God believed would happen and what he said with his mouth, and he's God, and therefore, when he said it, it happened immediately. Now, Brother Matthew and I were talking uh, last week, uh, not to put his business out there, but he's retired from NASA, so we were talking about the, the telescope, the, the web telescope, is that what it's called, the web telescope? And, and the things, the magnificent details and things that they're seeing of space. Did you know that space is still expanding at 186,000 miles per second. The speed of light, it's still expanding, going all the way back to whenever God spoke those initial words. How would you like to get to the capacity that when you speak something, it stills going? Somebody says, well, that was God. <laughs> that was God. That's not me. Well, why did Jesus tell you to have the God kind of faith then? If he didn't intend for you to have it, why did he say have it? I'm just saying. All right. So we see here that what caused everything that we know in the universe to come to pass, it was the power of God's word. He spoke and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. The, now, here's what you need to understand. The creation is never greater than its creator. So the creation is subject to the creator. Do you understand that? I don't care how big of a tree you have, that tree is still subject to the one who created it. Only that which is part of God, the creator, is permanent. Now, I don't mean to get too deep on you here, but focus with me for just a second. Only that which is associated with God himself is permanent. Everything else is temporary. Your circumstances are temporary. Sickness is temporary. Everything not associated with God is temporary. Now, write this down, please. Verse, or number 10, 
Everything in this visible realm was created by the word of God and therefore is subject or subordinate to the word of God. So the mountain Jesus was talking about was created by the word of God, so therefore it's subject to the word of God. And when I speak the word of God to that mountain, it has to obey. My body was created, or was born rather, was made, but I was made in the likeness and image of God. So therefore, this physical body is subject to the creator. And so when I speak the words of the creator to something that is subject to him, it has to obey. Second Corinthians chapter four, verses 17 and 18. Y'all are awfully quiet. Are you just focused and listening? Good. I would rather you do that than run around the room shouting and hollering right now, all right? Shout and holler some other time. I want you focused on this right now because I think this will make a huge difference in your life. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18, again in the Passion Translation, we view our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. Man, if, if I, I'm just going to say if me, if I could ever learn that principle, that the little things that I face in life and the little situations and troubles and and uh, <coughs> excuse me, temptations, tests, and trials that arise, if I would just look at them in the light of eternity, I would see how short-lived they really are. We see our difficulties as the substance that produces for us an eternal weighty glory far beyond all comparison. Verse 18, because we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but on what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary, but the unseen realm is eternal. So I want you to begin to see needs, things that arise in our lives, um, situations, circumstances. I want you to begin to see them as temporary. They may be big, they may be huge, they may be great in stature, but I got news for you. We serve the most high, great God, okay? Now, temporary, just look it up on the dictionary. Brother Google gave this to me. means this, lasting, existing, or effective for a time only. So everything that you and I face, apart from and separate from God out of that eternal realm, is is lasting, existing, or effective only for a time. I love this. Uh, you remember reading in the Old Testament particularly where it says, and thus and so came to pass? You need to understand something. Your problems didn't come to stay. They came to pass. They are temporary. They are not eternal, Okay. And so why am I saying this to you? Because if you will begin to look at things in the natural as temporary and subject to change and, and subordinate to the word of God, it will cause your faith to go to a different level. And then when you speak to your mountain, you use your faith for your part. Let God do his part. All right? And, and keep your faith where it needs to be and quit trying to do God's job for him. That's why, you know, and you need to understand this about the ministry of Jesus. When Jesus was here in the earth and functioning as a man, he still was 100% God, but he, everything that made him divinity, he set all that aside, the scripture says. And he functioned like a man who was just simply anointed by the Holy Spirit. So can I say this to you? The things that you see Jesus do and use his faith for, uh, we just, you know, we just say, oh, well, that was Jesus. No, he did it to model it for us. All right? So when you, now I'm not <laughs> advocating, you run out, let your gas tank get down to where the, uh, the light is on and, you know, you know you're on fumes and then you start praying for, for Jesus to multiply your gas for you like he did the loaves and fishes. Hey, don't do that, <laughs> all right? Have some common sense, okay? But 
I do know of situations where people have been believing God, standing in faith, you know, for their needs to be met, and God supernaturally multiply their gas. I have heard testimonies along that line, but that's not a normal practice you do understand. I don't see how far you, I would not advise seeing how far you can get by faith, okay, with your gas. All right, have I helped anybody today? All right, so next week, and again, I'm thankful that the Lord said, slow your roll, son. So next week, we're gonna look at the faith application of Mark 11:24. 24. So what happens when we pray the prayer of faith? There's a difference between speaking to your mountain, the confession of faith, and then we pray the prayer of faith, which is in verse 24. I'll say this to you. Let me see if I can remember it like Brother Hagin used to say it. You can, you can release your faith by saying without praying, but you can't pray and release your faith without saying. That's one of those things that makes you go, hmm. You can speak and release your faith without praying, but you cannot pray without saying. Okay? See, you can, there are some things you don't have to pray about. You can just speak to it. All right, praise the Lord. I'll quit. Amen. Again, I, I, I just, I want you to get this because I believe this is going to help. I, I believe it's going to help us get some breakthroughs in our lives. Amen. And, and listen, I, I believe, and we're kind of, we just got through talking about some of these things on Wednesday night. I believe with all my heart, okay, that there are some things that have been taking a long time in our lives that if we will get more established on little things, I mean, small foxes like what we're talking about today and what we're going to talk about next week, if we'll get a hold of those things, I believe it'll expedite some stuff for us. Anybody in here want some expediting going on? Okay. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the word that we've heard today. I thank you, Father, that once again it's fallen on the ground of the precious people of Spring Hill Church. And I thank you, Father, that in Jesus' name, it will produce a harvest. That is seed that's fallen on good ground, Lord, and that in Jesus' name, we'll protect that seed of your word, we'll nurture it, and we'll allow it to grow. And Father, I thank you that the faith of these people are, is growing to an unprecedented level, a level like they never experienced before. And Lord, we're gonna find that as we walk in this, that believing you and trusting you in our lives is gonna be a whole lot less difficult than what maybe we thought it was. It'll become a whole lot easier for us. And Father, I thank you that we'll get to the place where we'll be able to function like Jesus and when we release our faith, we can go about our business and not be agitated, concerned, worried. Is it really working? But Father, we know that as we stand on your word and we believe your word, that your word will never fail, that it will always come to pass, and we can put our total trust and confidence in that. I thank you for it, Lord. I believe you, Father, to meet every need of every single person here under the sound of my voice. I thank you for strength in every physical body. Lord, as we prayed earlier, I thank you for peace in their souls. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for healing. I command sickness and disease to leave each and every body. I thank you, Father, for uh, pain to disappear right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus took all of that, and I thank you that by his stripes we are healed. And Lord, I thank you and I praise you for doing it right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we love you. We want to obey you. Now, Father, ultimately, all these things that we're talking about are not so that we can consume for ourselves, but so that, Father, we can use our faith for someone else, that we can minister to someone, Father, and we can be bold about how we minister to them because we know that if they were in need, we could speak to that need and it will come to pass and it will be a testimony to them to win them to the Lord Jesus. I thank you for it, Lord. I praise you for it. And Father, we thank you right now in Jesus' name for the great things that are in store for each and every one of us. 
I praise you, Father, for this church. I thank you, Father, for growth. I thank you for increase. Father, we thank you for our children's ministry. It's on its way. A great, strong, awesome children's ministry. It's coming. Lord, I thank you for our worship team. Now, Father, we have awesome worship here. Lord, skilled musicians and skilled singers. Father, I thank you for a, an awesome production team that can handle all the technical aspects. Father, I thank you for an usher team that is anointed and filled with the Spirit, filled with wisdom like Stephen was in the book of Acts. And Father, I thank you for it. Lord, it's coming and we have it. It's on its way in Jesus' name. It's coming in. We call those people and we command them to come in in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Obey the direction of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. Oh, we thank you for it, Lord, and we love you and we praise you for it. And we're not moved by what we see, but we're moved by what we believe in the name of Jesus. If you're in agreement with that, can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.